Come stand in my shoes Walk a mile if you choose To the place that I go When it all falls apart Hello and welcome to another episode of Stepping Up with Sue Reed, where I provide a platform for people to come on the show and tell their story of how they have faced and overcome a challenge in their life. You will notice that the introductory music today is different to normal. This track is Me and the Silence by singer-songwriter Steve Pledger and I'm really pleased to say he is my guest on the show today. I will play the whole of the track at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. And I do hope you enjoy. Thank you. My guest today, I'm so pleased, is a really good friend of mine. So I'm honoured to have singer-songwriter Steve Pledger with me. Steve has been uh, a friend of mine for years I know that he has an absolute love of music and I know also that he uses music as a way of expressing his thoughts and feelings as do a lot of singers I think so Steve has come up to have a chat with us today about his career obviously his music really how uh, lockdown has affected musicians because when you know when you're consistently traveling on the road doing gigs it's very difficult just to stop and basically see the money dry up talking about how covid also has affected him and and he steve also does quite a lot of work with mental health bring attention to it so i would like with his permission to have a chat about that as well. So welcome to the show, Steve. It's lovely to see you. Oh, thanks for having me. So it's lovely to see you too. Brilliant. And perhaps we can start at the beginning. So where did it all begin, (laughs) Steve? (laughs) Excellent question. Yeah, well, we're going back a bit now. I mean, just very, very briefly, I I grew up in Cambridgeshire, market town called St. Neats, and, uh, and I, I lived there till my early 20s when I got married and we moved to Bedfordshire. But during that period, I suppose when I was about 13, 14, that's when I was starting to, to dabble in music a little bit. I picked up a guitar and, and recalled a few chords I'd learned at school a few years previously in music <laughs> lessons. And, and just started playing around with that and trying to learn a few songs and, and, and write a few songs as well. I, I'm not, I'm looking back, I'm not quite sure why, but it, it, it seemed so natural having picked it up and strummed a few chords and, you know, reacquainted myself with it to start trying to do something original. It just, yeah. So I didn't even think about that. It just sort of uh, happened. Although not in a, you know, songs started falling from the sky kind of way. And I I wrote so much bad stuff (laughs) for so long, but I, I, I loved music. We'd had music on in the house and stuff, you know, my dad, They'd play Elvis and John Denver and Carpenters and what have you. And uh, so music was always there and, and uh, always enjoyed listening and was already getting into a few bits and pieces then. But yeah, it was a real sort of moment of discovery, finding that I could use this instrument to express myself and, and yeah. as I say, to try and um, compose something musically and lyrically that that was of of myself and, and and even though it was very poor very poor at the start <laughs> i realized the sure it wasn't. <laughs> oh no trust me it was <laughs> I, I think i think that's the that's the case with any skill i think i, I don't mm. think i think very few people are born with a 
absolute you know golden talent or skill skill is something we work at and I think if you persist and you practice and practice and practice then you mm-hmm. get better. If you don't, then you give up. But <laughs> no, I, I, whole, I think you get better. I think you're absolutely right, and I think it's that's an incredibly important point to make for anybody who, you know, just for their own enjoyment, is maybe thinking of, you know, I don't know, throwing pots or making music or writing stories or whatever. You really have to expect to be quite bad for a while at it <laughs> and yet at the same time you're never going to get quite good until you've worked your way through the quite bad phase and and so so often we're, we're used to sort of seeing and hearing people's work who we've previously not been aware of and just thought oh my goodness suddenly they're there and they're brilliant but of course you don't know the eight nine ten fifteen years they spent just you know trying to yeah. to get better at it or failing at it and yeah definitely very important that yeah, so that was kind of the beginning of it for me. Really, was 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 failing a great deal. <laughs> Very important that. Yeah, most definitely. And it wasn't. And I, I really, I didn't feel I could sing or anything. I did, didn't really sing to anybody. I, 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 I wrote. Remember writing songs with a friend of mine, and 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 it worked really well because we were both really bad. But <laughs> he would, if I wrote a song, he would sing it because it, it wasn't until about another five or six years later that I felt confident enough to sing in front of anybody so yeah that took a while to come to (laughs) yeah because when my husband and I met you we would go to Martin Joseph concerts whenever he was in Devon we would go Mm -hmm. to every single one my husband particularly is a huge fan of Martin Joseph as he is of yours but he's a a huge (laughs) he lives and breathes Martin Joseph (laughs) and um, and you were his roadie would that be the right term at the time yeah that's right I I was yeah, yeah. For and we would a, always um, have a chat three and with a half you. Years. Yeah, we'd absolutely. Always have a chat yeah, with you. got on really well. Yeah. And yeah. then one day, I think you said, "Oh, you like Luke Jackson, don't you?" And we said, "Yes, we do." <laughs> and you said, "I'm supporting him in a couple of weeks. Would you like to come?" <laughs> and we were like, "What? You can sing?" <laughs> we didn't know you sang. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess that is. I. I not really quite realised how it had happened, but yeah, during all of that sort of period of, of touring with Martin and, and meeting so many lovely people, yourselves included. Yeah, it was just, it was such a wonderful opportunity just to, to meet folks, you know, and often you don't get to see them again, but just for a few minutes at the edge of the stage where you're packing up afterwards or something, you might have a nice little chat. Yeah. But, but you guys, it was so lovely to, to strike up, you know, more than one conversation and, and longer conversations, you know, and get chatting and, and just get on so well. And then, yeah, it was so kind of you to come along and yeah. And you've been so, so lovely and supportive towards what I've been doing ever since. And it, it's been lovely watching you develop. And as you say, you know, you. I'm not saying that you're terrible at the first one because you weren't, we, we looked <laughs> at each other and just went, wow. But we can see that your confidence has grown over years that, you know, we've yeah. known you. Yeah. I thought, oh, thank you. That, that means a lot because I think it's, you know, you're always trying and working and wanting to improve in all the technical stuff as well. Confidence is, is a strange thing. You know, there are some people who have it right off the bat. And sometimes I was talking to somebody else about this recently, you know, one's confidence. And again, this doesn't just apply to music, but all areas of life, I think it's very easy to have it out of kilter with the thing in which you are confident, you know, yeah. sometimes, some, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes with the best one in the world, 
you come across people who maybe have more confidence <laughs> than, <laughs> than the thing they have the confidence in <laughs> yeah. uh, would maybe suggest they do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm actually often envious. I think, well, I wish I had a bit more of that. Uh, and then the other side is, yeah, there are some people that you see or hear doing things. You think, oh, wow, you really, you don't know how good you are, do you? Yeah. And, and and I I would always personally rather see that than than the other. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. a, a, something for me is one is I want to, I want to get better and I want to feel good about what I'm doing. And, and there are times when I do, and I know how much that means to me, but at the same time, I want that to be, you know, it, I want that to be a genuine thing rather than a misplaced, you know, self-assurance, yeah, you know, yeah. but, but the other thing is something that I, I really struggle with is arrogance. I, I, I you know, and that sounds that borderline arrogant, me saying that almost because, <laughs> oh, he thinks he's modest. No, no, no. But you know, I, if I see it in other people, even if people are talented, I just find it such a, an off-putting trait. And I, yeah. I want to try and avoid that at all costs because I don't think any of us actually has the, you know, we can and should be confident in what we do but nobody has the the right to be arrogant and okay. and so you you hope and want for the confidence to sort of creep up and meet meet you at where your talent is if you like and it took me a long long time to feel the sort of confidence that I'm, I'm so pleased you've said you've seen grown because um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife Becca would often sort of say to me afterwards oh, you know you were good but you've got to start believing in yourself, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it took a while, but we're getting there. <laughs> That's quite, I think it's such a common thing in, in every walk of life. It's so common for yeah. people not to recognize their own talents and everybody around them yeah. can see how good they are and they can't see it themselves. So I yeah. guess the message in that is just believe what people are telling you. If they're telling think, you you're good, then you're probably good. Yeah. If they're telling you you're rubbish, you're probably rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Find, find those people or, or yeah, connect with those people that you know whose opinions are, are are worth something to you, yeah, you know because yeah. you know we can all be we can all be nice to one another and say nice things and you know we're not trying to deceive anybody but at the same time we don't want to hurt anybody no. but then there are those people with whom you can have a very honest conversation and they'll you know they'll tell you if they feel that you're not you know quite getting what you should be getting or you know <laughs> yeah. whatever and those those are the people to connect with that Definitely. way if somebody says yeah. to you, well, actually no I thought that was really good you think oh wow you you tell me if you thought otherwise. So yeah, that's, um, yeah. People yeah, you can trust. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So for listeners that maybe have never heard of you, I'm sure there may be a couple out there that have never heard of you. Um, <laughs> how would you describe your music? Oh, that's that's always the one I find really hard, <laughs> really hard to answer. <laughs> I mean, firstly, I would sort of say, I mean, I'm. I consider myself, and again, this isn't a, a comparison with any other artist. I, I hasten to add, but I consider myself to sort of be in that tradition of of singer songwriter that uh, you know, Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, you know, that 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 sort of line of people trying to say something about the world around them, make some sense of the world around them yeah. in their in their writing, and present something honest, something interesting, you know, an artistic representation of of how they see things within themselves and, and, and without, you know, again, I stress that's, that's a, a sort of lineage of, of intent, if you like, rather than, you know, <laughs> yeah, I am the natural successor to Bob Dylan. No, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. So, you know, so I'm kind of, <clears throat> excuse me. So you're always trying to find a point of reference where somebody might say, oh, well, I quite, quite like that. I kind of like that. So therefore I might be interested in what you do. So I sort of say that, and how else? Yeah, kind of acoustic singer songwriter, a bit folky, but not yeah. particularly traditional. Again, I, I think 
for me, the fundamental thing is it's trying to make sense of, of things through song. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about, well, you, you mentioned Martin earlier, Martin Joseph. And I know he's, he's often said that, you know, his guitar is his therapist. His, you know, his writing songs is, is almost a form of therapy. And I, I, totally, I totally get that. And I think that's true. It's, it, there's a cathartic element to songwriting. I, I must just tell you this. I hope you wouldn't mind. I, one time when I was roading for him, I can't remember where we were. I think it was Telford. And Martin has on stage, as you'll know, so often a, a large rug. Yeah, you know, like a really nice rug, doesn't he? Which he stands on and, and and sings, and somebody in the audience, in between songs, shouted out or called or put the hand up or something, and I I was off to the side of the stage at this point, <laughs> watching from the stage side, and I saw Martin go, yeah, what's what's you have a question, and this person said, yeah, I've got two questions if that's okay, and he said, yeah, sure, go for it, and she said, um, or well, he said, the, the, the rug you're standing on is that a kind of prayer mat? <laughs> and I remember seeing Martin's face. He's like, wow, yeah, wow. I never really thought of it like that. You know, just going back to what we were saying about yeah. songs and what they mean yeah. to us. And he, he sort of thought, and he goes, do you know what? In a way, yeah, I suppose it it kind of is. It kind of is. And I remember thinking, wow, that's interesting. And he says, mm. what, what was your other question? And, he, and they said, can you play anything by Coldplay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the two really go just, together, don't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But it, it just sort of went from this deep question about what he does to do you do any covers? <laughs> and he, kind of, he sort of he sent me this look to the side of the <laughs> like, Where did that come from? But the, the, the beautiful thing is that the, the, he played the next song and then right at the end he patched on a little bit of Fix You. And he just did it oh, in that way. He does so perfectly. Yeah. yeah and it's like, yeah. right, there's the answer to your question. And uh, yeah. But yeah, so these songs there that I, I think anybody who attempts to sort of do something of, of substance, if I can call it that with their writing. Yeah, they are. They're, they're forms of therapy, they're prayers, they're, they're a means of catharsis and, yeah. uh, and hopefully that then that goes onto the, the listener too, that they yeah. feel that as well. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. And so you made your, or released your first album, 14 Good Intentions in 2012. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And then since then, you've gone on to do three more, one including one live one, which was yeah. basically a collection of, of, was it what you felt were your best songs or the ones you loved the most? Well, it was, it was recorded as part of an event I was doing for a friend not too far from, from where you are in the Southwest. And he'd put together an event involving some street choirs he'd been working with. And this was around the centenary of the First World War. Mm. the end of the first world war and he'd asked if i'd do sort of a 40 45 minute set to open these these two evenings and which i was more than happy to do so those sort of songs primarily were chosen to sort of fit with those evenings right. and he by the way i should say he offered to record one of those sessions one of those evenings and that's how the live album came about but yeah the song choice was primarily because I, I wanted to pick stuff that i felt would work within that setting but it, yeah it was nice too that, that that i was able to i think choose some tracks that sort of highlighted i think some of the various elements of, of my music and what, what i do yeah as well as i could yeah okay hmm. and then you moved because when i met you you were living in durham uh, not Durham, you were living in Dunster, and <laughs> you moved right, to yeah. Durham. <laughs> yeah up to so county durham yeah. what was the thinking behind that why did you move to durham well, initially, 
house prices uh, in Dunster have got a lot to do with it. <laughs> I <laughs> no mean, <doubt>. we were, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're right. So Dunster uh, down in Somerset, and we'd, we'd sort of lived around that that area. That's near to Minehead. So we'd lived in a sort of six, seven mile radius of, of Minehead for a, a few years, about 10 years by the time we left. We were renting in, in Dunster which was not cheap by any means. And for various reasons, it got to the point where we thought we, you know, we need to, to sort of change a house. And yeah, I mean, the way things were, and I was trying to do more with the music, which doesn't tend to lend itself to, to much spare cash. And it kind of got to the point where we thought there's not really anything of a size that we can, you know, we need to make some savings that we could sort of move to in the area. So we thought we, we're going to have to look at moving further afield and looking further afield. And of course, once you start, down that road there's a, there's a kind of a liberty that comes with that which is well we could kind of go anywhere you know obviously you know within budget if you like and I'd, I'd been coming up to the northeast a little bit to play gigs and I remember saying to my wife you know maybe we could move up to the northeast and you know do you want to fancy taking a trip up and having a look around and you know and I, I, I liked the area and I liked the people up here and so it all kind of went from from that and about 18 months after we realized that we were going to make some sort of change we ended up yeah in county durham we're about about 10 miles northwest of durham itself and yeah very very happy very at home here good good yeah and then it was a a big change there yeah yeah so then things are going well so you bought your house in durham kids are doing fine Mm -hmm. settling in i guess yeah uh and then we get to 2020 last year. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we all know where this is going. <laughs> for everybody, because obviously oh, just... COVID hits and then we go into lockdown, which as mm. a musician that makes his money mainly traveling around doing mm. gigs, yeah. everywhere shut down. You can't do that anymore. So yeah. what, what did you do? What were the first um, thoughts for one thing? Well, when I stopped crying... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, yeah, it was a strange, uh, strangest of times as it was for everybody, but it, yeah, you're right. And and I think maybe, you know, there's no reason why people should, but maybe what a lot of people don't perhaps realize is that you're right. Gigging for musicians, you know, unless you're shifting shed loads of albums, yeah. gigging is where you, you get some money you know, to keep doing what you do. Uh, and obviously if, if that's what you enjoy doing, it's, you know, it's what you love to do. And it's certainly what I love to do. So yeah, from a, from a practical point of view, I mean, I'm, I remember we're looking at about a year ago, I suppose, really, aren't we? Cause mm. it's the, as we, you and I are speaking, I think tomorrow marks the anniversary of, of the first lockdown. First beginning. Day, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I distinctly remember sitting in front of my computer for two or three days solid you know, when it was all kind of becoming clear of what was going to happen and how it was going to play out and literally just talking with people, cancelling gigs, pulling mm. things off my website and events pages and just feeling incredibly numb watching all of this work disappear. And I was just coming up to a, a relatively busy period as well and um, just, yeah, spent the best part of a week just taking it all down. Mm. So that, and that was, it was only a, a little while after that, really, that that, that sort of hit home what you know what that had, had meant but as i say and I'd, I'd always want to stress you know there isn't a person in probably in the world hardly that this hasn't impacted and you know and i know i know that for people within the arts it has been incredibly hard because it, it's 
you know, as you say, it strikes at the heart of how you make a living. Mm. So many people are freelance, self-employed, etc., and you just see everything disappear. But I think it's that, it's not even. Um, I mean, in my view, I, I think it's not mm. even just the money. It's no. the identity. Because I was talking yeah. to somebody who completely different career, but he goes mm. around like shows and colleges doing demonstrations on cooking and that you know that's what he does he used to be a Mm. chef he gave up chefing and and does this cooking demonstrations and that's how he makes his living and he does courses and blah 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 Mm. and he said his first thought was who am I now that was the question he asked himself who am I I've completely lost my identity Mm. I can't can't go back to chefing because the restaurants are closed I can't do what I've been doing what do Mm. I do yeah yeah I mean that's an excellent and sobering point Mm. and question and I think you're right that that's that's something that affects us all because everybody, you know, I think particularly in in this country and other similar countries, if you like, we tend to define ourselves largely by what we do. Yeah, just on that point, I'm reminded of something I share occasionally. I don't want to get off track, but I met somebody once at an event, and they were from it's a Scandinavian country. I forget which yeah. country, and we'd literally just met each other. And we sat there and sat alone, introduced ourselves. And of course, you know, <laughs> between two Brits, normally, you know, it's normally within 45 seconds, someone will go, so what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what line of work are you in? This kind of thing. It's what we say. And this person absolutely pulled the rug out from underneath me. And instead of them coming out with that question quite quickly, they, they asked me, so what kind of person are you? Ah. Like, Whoa. And that, you know, it just, I thought that's such a, what a, an amazing question to have instead of what line of your work, yeah. line of work you're in. It's so much more interesting. And I acknowledged that to them. I said, we don't ask that stuff. I said, I'm not, that's not me being picky. I'm very happy to answer that. That's such a brilliant question and so much more interesting than the normal thing we say to one another. Going back to that point, that's how we mm. tend to define ourselves. Mm. And I think if you are, if you love your work, or if it's a, a line of work that you have a sort of invested passion in, you know, speaking from personal experience, that, that getting up on stage and, and singing, it's, you know, for a, somebody who loves live performing, there is nothing like it. Even if you're not feeling on top of your game, you're feeling tired, you may be a little bit under the weather, you get out and start playing and connecting with an audience. It's incredible. So it's, it's more than just your means of making what money you can make which isn't a great <laughs> recompense in itself anyway you know you there's there's something far more fundamental to who you are and you know how you connect with other people going on so you know and i've and this is not to put it above or below any other line of work because everything's valid but i've had jobs in the past with which i've felt no emotional connection you know i would be as many have been, I would be devastated because of what's happening, because that's what I do. That's how I earn my money. I would be looking at that factory job or whatever and and feeling awful. But what I wouldn't be feeling is any sense of, oh my goodness, I'm really going to, you know, (laughs) not not the the jobs I had anyway. I wouldn't be looking and going, oh, but that's who I am. (laughs) It's just not. I need that factory. I need to go and pull the lever on the machine. (laughs) Precisely. And again, that's really not to diminish anybody's experience of this. And I'd hate to think it was was heard as that. But, you know, yeah, your life is in that. And suddenly that goes. And everything you've been building up and working towards, that that, that momentum just With no end so in sight of when you were going yeah. to get your life back either. Exactly. And and even now, 
you know, with with the promise of things, hope, well, I promise, the, the, the <laughs> likelihood, the hoped for <laughs> likelihood of, of things starting to open up again, still perfectly understandable. A lot of people are very nervous mm. about that. And, you know, many of us are trying to sort of reach out a little bit to venues and, and find out if, you know, are you booking or you're not? Would you like mm. to chat? And you don't want to be insensitive to what they've been through and are going through. Mm. You don't want to miss the boat, but you don't want to be too pushy. It's still a very tentative time. And, and some places are like, oh, we need gigs. And other places are just, no, no not, not taking the can't chance. even go there yeah. at the moment, folks. Sorry. Yeah. And I understand both. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So then, yeah, so we go into lockdown and mm. then gets worse because you get <laughs> COVID yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was unfortunate. <laughs> I was, uh, it was fairly early on, you know, and I was seeing the way things were going and people doing online gigs and stuff. And I remember having some conversations about that. I'm like, oh, dear, that's not what I want to. <laughs> not really the way I want to go. How long is this going to last and, and stuff? And, uh, you know, so much of, of what makes live, any live art form live, is it happening in, in a shared space and moment in time. Yeah. You know, you take that away and you do it over a computer and that's not, you know, diss all of that because it's, you know, Zoom and all the rest of it has been a lifesaver for, mm. for millions of people during this. I'm not, you know, wishing to be too disparaging, but, you know, it just didn't feel like the way I would want to communicate no. musically. So there was me thinking, oh dear, I, I don't know, I can do that. Should I? I suppose I'll have to sooner or later. And then within a few weeks, it was 10th of April, I remember as, as being the date that the penny dropped that you know things were really not right and back then it was it was too soon you couldn't get a test it just wasn't possible to be tested mm. i think you know i think people in in the health healthcare line of work etc and key workers were just about starting to get tested and obviously they were of, of paramount importance but for the most part the rest of us just couldn't get access so by the time that was possible it was way too late to see if i'd ever had it so i've never been officially um diagnosed if you like but I don't think there's really any doubt that that's what it was. And I, you know, continue to feel various effects of that on and off today. So, yeah, yeah I don't think there's any doubt about it. But, yeah, so, that, so that was another blow. So for you, it, it's the long COVID, as they call it, that they don't yeah. know what ha what's going to happen with it, whether people will recover or, yeah. you know, whether it's with them for life now. So, And, and I think because they've yeah. been focusing on, the actual COVID so much they haven't mm. really started looking at co the long COVID in the long-term effects but I've come across I quite a right. few people that have suffered in various mm. degrees but mm. the ongoing commonality of all of them is that it's lasted it's not yeah. gone away in so in some degree it yeah. keeps coming back again and just when they start yeah. feeling better they <laughs> then go backwards again which mm. you said had happened to you yeah, I think you're right. And it, it, you, you're absolutely spot on, Sue, when you say that it doesn't seem to be contingent upon how you know, mild or severe one's case of, of COVID has been. You know, there are those who had it bad and continue to suffer long term badly. And there are those who, and I would count myself amongst these, I had a, it was horrible. It's one of the worst experiences of my life, but I know it was a relatively mild case of it. Mm. And yet those symptoms or the, certainly some of them yeah periodically kind of come and go come and go so yeah they they remain and and whilst they're not you know sort of threatening and then and they could be so much worse and all the rest of it they are sufficient to impact upon 
you know what one feels able to do and you don't really know when that's going to happen and and certainly how you feel so yeah you and you're right it's it's something that's starting to get talked about a little bit more now but i suppose because quite rightly everybody's dealing with the you know the immediacy of of the situation it's it's probably only later that we'll quite understand this but i i had i mean i think it was so that was 10th of april when it really hit home what was happening and by sort of the latter part of may i was feeling pretty good and i thought oh this is it. And this apparently the kind of six week thing is, is quite common for people to sort of feel that they're over it. Mm. And I ended up doing a bit of home recording and I, I, I record, wrote, recorded and released a, a track within a week. And by the time the following week, I was sort of pushing that out and everything. I was starting to feel rough again. <laughs> so I had kind of windows of opportunity to do things last year, which I tried to make the most of. And I put out two or three songs and stuff, but yeah, it wasn't too long before things started to come back again. But it's been, you know, the, the gaps have proven to be longer and the periods of feeling unwell are generally, you know, lesser, less mm. extreme. But yeah. That's good. Brilliant. <laughs> and as we hopefully come out of, of all mm. this, <laughs> I think one of one of the legacies will be the effect that it's had on people's mental health and I, I, I think everybody is going to be touched by that in some shape or form yeah. and I know a lot of the music that you've done historically and lately has touched on mental health issues so it has mm. been you know a theme in, in quite a few of your songs what what have you been working on along those lines so I, I know you, you you've done some work with Bino and the, 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 the all the RC mental health yes, yeah yes that's yeah. right yeah RC projects, mm. all the stuff he does. So, so what's what's the sort of thoughts around that? What, why, why do you do that? Why, what, why is that your focus? Yeah, it's it's one of those things which has been sort of growing over recent years, and, and probably longer, in fact, for, for various reasons. Some of which has been sort of serendipitous, really, if you can say that about mental health. But, but yeah, I just kind of met people. I mean, I'm I'm quite. Um, happy in inverted commas to, to say that it, I guess it started really is my, my wife as and I know you know this too, has been um, struggling with her own mental health in different ways and to different degrees certainly over the last couple of decades and I think probably you know we think tend to think probably further back than that and for me that was my first real you know coming into contact with somebody struggling and it took me a long time to understand quite what that meant, where it came from, what my role could be in either, you know, helping to facilitate or indeed make that worse. And I think that the attitude that hopefully is, is dying out somewhat, but is still out there of, and it's, it's one generally of ignorance of, you know, sort of, oh, you know, come on, look, things aren't that bad, you know, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Pull yourself you together, about. smile, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I, I can't deny that I think for some time I was either explicitly or otherwise, that was pretty much my my place because I just didn't understand it. Mm. And I, I thought, oh, you know, this, yeah, all of those, all of that kind of stuff. And that's to my shame. And it took me, you know, I'm not always the brightest and, and quickest to catch on. And it took me a little while to, uh, to realize, you know, the, the true nature of things, you know, and I, it's still, uh, you know, a challenge now. And I, and I, 
you know, I'm sure there are people out there who would recognize the truth of that. You know, you, you have your, because sometimes, you know, the, the person maybe who is perhaps, you know, acknowledged as, as, as being in a, in a better place in terms of their own, of their own mental health, they're going to have bad days. You know, you're going to have those days where you're not as caring, you're not as quick to, to support and all the rest of it because you are carrying your own baggage mm. and it's more of a challenge for you on those days. And, and so it's, it's hard, it's hard for everybody, but obviously predominantly and above all for the person who's, who's struggling in that way, the support that, and this is what I sort of came to see the support that is given to them, whether it's by wider society, but you know, first and foremost from, from those close near and dear is of such importance, mm. paramount importance. And so in, you know, I wrote the song, Me in the Silence, which was, which was on Somewhere Between. And that was written from the perspective of somebody really at the darkest edges of their own mental well-being. And I've, I, I have, I now know, various times experienced a little bit of that myself. I've experienced spells of it normally for particular reasons rather than because of a, a chemical imbalance, if you want to bring yeah. it down to that. So I'd got that to relate to, but, but, but more than anything, it was trying to really understand and, and uh, vocalize my wife's circumstances yeah. and that of uh, people in a similar position. Empathy, really. So, so that from that, from our own experiences, and then once we moved up here, we started to meet other people, not necessarily through always through mental health channels, but through music or whatever. But the, and, and it was through music that I was first introduced to, to Beano and Emma at RT Projects in Durham, who do such amazing work there helping people through artistic expression. So obviously there was a natural kind of connection there. And it's, yeah, that, that sort of snowballed, I'm happy to say. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago, we, Bino, and I still don't know where he got that. <laughs> it's not his real name, <laughs> but he's Bino. He's just such a great guy. But he, he's uh, also a very good, um, uh, very good poet. He's not published, but he probably should be. And he was toying around with this idea of what if, you know, what if this, what if that? And, mm. and, and out of his sort of exploration of that, came this um, beautiful poem about struggling with mental health. And somebody suggested that we turned it into a song. So I wrote the music for it and uh, we, we got it recorded. And a larger project was brought together by the guy who originally suggested this and he got a lot of other artists to contribute songs and we got an album together and there's been a couple of concerts as well and Bino and I have had the opportunity to perform the song a couple of times too mm. and it's, it's it's been one of the you know and, and that's all to help raise awareness and also to help raise funds for RT projects because obviously a charity and and that has been definitely one of the highlights of of me of what I've done musically over the years just to be able to be involved with that yeah. And we're now doing a weekly session online called Sounds Good, which on a Thursday evening at seven, which is, you know, throughout this period when it's been impossible to get together. And particularly for those people who already feel isolated and struggle and, and find comfort from time to time in, in meeting with other people and, you know, there's the work at RT projects, et cetera, who are then suddenly isolated away from all of that. But, you know, wanted to do something that, and Emma wanted to do something that was a means of bringing people together again. Mm. So up this idea of Sounds Good, which I help co-host, and we have uh, a regular featured artist on there, musical artists. We have some 
uh, different thoughts, some serious stuff, and a lot of daftness as well. And that's, uh, that's been. <laughs> I have caught it. There <laughs> is an awful lot of daftness. Did. Yeah, <laughs> there is a great deal of daftness. It yeah. will cheer you up <laughs> if you watch it. I can put a. Uh, I can yeah. put the details of that in the show notes. Oh, please do. Yeah, we, so that people can pick it up if they do. want to. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. That'd be grand. <laughs> so what what now does the future hold for mm. you, do you think? I mean, assuming we come out of this yes. whenever, <laughs> what, what's your next plan? As soon as we come out of lockdown, what are you going to do mm. first? Oh, crumbs. Go to the pub and have a drink. <laughs> yeah, go to the pub. <laughs> Run down the street, waving my arms wildly, down to the pub. Well, I, suppose, I mean, in the immediate future, I do have a couple of more online gigs coming up, which I'm excited about. And I'm hoping I'm going to be feeling brighter than I've been feeling come the first one on, on Friday. But nevertheless, it will, it will be happening and I'm really looking forward to it. So I suppose whilst the uncertainty you know, continues maybe for the next few months, a few more online things, but also in tandem with that, hopefully building up a few more physical gigs, bookings to, to, to get along to and play some proper gigs again. And I, I can't, like I said earlier, and I mean this so much, I love playing live. Yeah. I absolutely love it to have been, and I know there'll be thousands more feeling the same to have been forced to set that to one side for, it's been over a year now, of course, to set that to one side and not do it at whatever point we get the chance to stand up and do that again, it's going to be, I can't describe the elation. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> coursing through my when that happens. But so I'm looking forward to that. I am, I've got a, a couple of projects which are still sort of in the early stages. It's sort of some collaborative things, which I'm hoping will happen. And also it's high time I put out another album. So I, I've got plans to, to start recording that this year whether it'll come out this year, I really hope it will. But yeah, watch this space. I'm sort of, I've got quite a bit of new material, which I want to record, including some new stuff I'm working on. Uh, And I've got some thoughts and plans for how that could come together. So yeah, (laughs) I won't be idle. And anybody that wants to have a look at your work or uh, get in touch with you, Hmm. you've got your website, Steve Pledger. I think there's a basketball player as well, isn't there? So don't get too <laughs> yeah. muddled up. <laughs> yeah, there is. You're the one and, that sings. <laughs> I, I'm, the, I'm the non-singing, I'm the non-basketball playing <laughs> yeah. singing, Steve. Pleasure. Yeah. And you mentioned Luke Jackson earlier. That there are, there's a basketball playing Luke Jackson <laughs> and a basketball playing Steve Pleasure over in the States. So yeah. Not, not it's like a parallel confused. world, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Very much so, yeah. But yeah, um, so, yeah. <laughs> stevepleasure.co.uk is the yep. website, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. And your music is on YouTube as well. Um, And I know the What If uh, song with Bino is on Mm. YouTube as well. So people pick that up if they want to, if they want to have a listen. Um, Yeah, please do. Would you like to leave a message to finish off with? Any last words? Yeah, gladly. I suppose, I think in any... Yeah, with any opportunity to say anything like that, I think primarily you're you're addressing yourself because, you know, if I feel a certain way and I'm seeing the world in a certain way, then you can bet your bottom dollar that there's everybody else is, you know, or many other people. So my message would be as it would be to myself, I suppose, which is just to, yeah, to embrace what's coming up for whatever it is, to face down the the uh, the challenges and do what we can with them but be kind to ourselves not to expect more than of ourselves than is than is possible but at the same time to to rise to whatever challenge we feel you know deserves our attention whether it's personal or or beyond take it on 
take those opportunities and be prepared to feel weird. I think we're going to feel weird for a while, you know, and that's, uh, and if we expect anything less, we'll perhaps be disappointed. So yeah, get ready to feel weird, to feel emotional and all the rest of it. But just to know that that is hopefully just another step towards getting back to something wonderful. And there's no reason I would hope to goodness, even though many have been hurt and have lost people through this, I would hope that as a whole, we can come out the other end of this and maybe create something even better than what we had before. Mm. Because there are things, there are changes to be made, I know. Yeah, and I hope we can together rise to that and yeah, keep each other going. if we don't learn lessons from this, then there's no hope really, is there? (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. I think we are, as a species, we can be a stubborn and ignorant lot. I think as individuals, we're better than that. But I think as a species, we're not always the sharpest. I would hope, goodness, that we will learn some lessons from this. And and, yeah, (laughs) We, we, we must, we have to, we need to. (laughs) <laughs> well thank you so much for talking to us today it's been really thank you really so interesting. much for having me so it's been an absolute pleasure thank you i I'm wish everybody sure. all the very best i wish you the best and i'm Bless sure the listeners will get an awful lot out of um our conversation today so best of luck for the future and i hope to see you soon i hope that too soon we'll have a hug can't wait definitely, definitely. that's <laughs> the one thing i'm looking forward to actually hugging people again that's a, that's what i really really miss i am a hugger You're not wrong yeah. Uh, yeah likewise and I, I sorry i know we've got to go but just, no, you're fine. It, it, it occurred to me the other day when i was thinking about how you know it's been a year just over a year now since my last gig mm. and at that point things were starting to get a little bit you know should we shouldn't we and i thought well, i'm just going to keep away from everybody it's going to be okay. And at the end of the night, I remember somebody holding out a hand for me to shake. And I looked at it and I thought, I almost didn't. Mm. And then, I, you know, you can't refuse a handshake. And so I. <laughs> and you so did I, the Boris I, Johnson and you shook hands. Yeah, I'm afraid I did. <laughs> but, but, but long before Boris Johnson did it and should have known better. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I and, and this, this was way before I got ill, by the way. Yeah. So there's nothing to yeah. do with that. Yeah. But, you know, I shook their hand. And the reason I say that is I realized that's the last, you know, apart from my yeah. household, that's the last yeah. human contact physical human contact i had with anybody over a year yeah we've not experienced that in our lives and if like you yourself if you appreciate and enjoy human physical contact with others of 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 like mind then it's a it's a huge loss and but we're going to get that back we're going to get it back i can actually see myself and probably other people going completely to the other extreme and like you know (laughs) when when the postman comes you're giving him a big hug <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah Getting at the moment I'm just seeing him down the end of the path when I open the door but yeah <laughs> yeah postman all over and post ladies all over should watch out any right. random people hurling themselves at them. <laughs> well, what, what a lovely world if we all did do that <laughs> oh, I do you know what I don't think it would be any worse for it no Bring it on. absolutely right as I say it's been lovely talking to you, yes. you um, too, and we'll Sue. leave thank it there you. thank you Bless you. take care Cheers. Thank you so much for listening today. From the album Somewhere Between, this is Steve Pledger singing Me and the Silence. Enjoy and I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Come stand in my shoes Walk a mile if you choose To the place that I go When it all falls apart When the darkness Where my universe ends When all that remains Is my beating heart Between me 
not stillness alone My sad metronome Measures those moments I've come to despise While that part of me That yearns to be free Stares into the darkness Wonders what lies beyond me And the silence In the silence I know I should fear That somehow keeps pulling me near Till it's almost all I can Just your hand and a prayer. 